0: TalkZone.com welcome you to the two
1: guys at a mic show thank you so much for joining us beautiful monday here in the fine city of chicago great sports weekend uh, at least in terms of activity here in the city of chicago and across the country here in the city of chicago the word great would probably have to be put into quotes at least for those fans rooting for the white Sox or the cubs or the Chicago Bears an exhibition game number two. But uh, there was certainly plenty of activity. Everything from NASCAR race to PGA golf. Little League World Series. We've got baseball, basketball. Uh, all kinds of action over the weekend. We'll talk about that and more with the big dog and the coach. That's what we do. One hour a day, five days a week. Each and every day here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Five in total. Still shocking. Still shocking to the two of us that they actually allow us five hours a week. But uh, we'll take... Well, we can get, and that's what we do. Big dog and the coach, let's first welcome in my fine co-patriot from the beautiful auspices of, uh, Aurora, Illinois, an outstanding suburb of western part of Chicago. It's the big dog, Joel Radwanski, checking in. Big dog, how are you?
2: Uh, doing pretty good. And I don't know if Aurora is considered a Chicago suburb anymore. I, I think it's a, a city on well, to coach because it it's is, so far away, to be honest. With it me. is an
1: outstanding city, and, uh, I don't know what's a, smaller or lighter pamphlet, if you will, greatest Jewish sports athletes or the Bureau of Tourism things to do in Aurora? Well,
2: I I tell you, it's a little bit better than you might
1: think, Coach. (laughs) I kid, of course, I kid. We have a lot of fine listeners out in the Aurora area. Do we? Absolutely. Okay, good,
2: good. Good to know,
1: Coach. Well, it's your hometown. I would think uh, many of your neighbors, your friends, your family, the restaurants, the bars that you frequent, I'm sure you have spread the truth about the show, so I'm hoping based on your... Uh, elegance and your uh, somewhat Elegant. eschewed reputation—that we should have a fair amount of listeners in the Aurora area.
2: Eschewed elegance. Elegant. Wow, I, I didn't really—I didn't realize I had so much uh, standing, at least with <laughs> you on the show, Coach. It's I'm good to know.
1: Trying to build you up. It's the first five minutes of our show on Monday. You know, I'm putting you up high. By the time Friday's show, the last five minutes, I'm sure I'll knock you back down to size.
2: And just like you said, there's uh, only five hours of the show this week. And considering everything that happened over the last couple days, we probably shouldn't spend too much time on on how much a shoot I am here in uh, in in Aurora. Since I don't even know if that's really a word.
1: No question about it. In uh, you know one hour a day, it's not enough. We keep uh, bugging the general manager here. uh Find Chris Whitting, uh, Assistant General Manager Randy Myers, David Olson, our producer. We need more time on the show, Big Dog. So far, it's going on empty years, but we will continue to cry for one more hour. If any of our listeners would join, like to join our one more hour campaign? Do we have a website? Deb, www.onemorehour.com? One more dot com.
0: You got two hours on Thursday, Coach, <laughs> which we
1: don't often which we, don't often. which we don't often use. Go. Yeah, which you don't use. That's so, a problem. There you go. <laughs> See, Dave. Dave is the voice of reason, Big Dog. Which, quite frankly, on this show is uh, not that hard of a job.
2: Wow. I mean, that he just puts you in your place too, just like yes. that. It was that quick? Why yes. in one more hour because you have it?
1: That's true. All right. Well, so we'll start on Thursdays and we'll build from there. You got a deal? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, Big Dog. Where do you want to start? We got the White Sox uh, losing two out of three to the Kansas City Royals. Is there a slip? Sliding away out of the pennant race there in the American League uh, Central Division, or we could go with uh, manager Lou Piniella, who not exactly a shock, but it still a little bit emotional when you finally hear it. He hung up the spikes yesterday, his final game managing ever. He retired pretty much uh, right before the game, and of course the Cubs go on to lose sixteen to five. Those would be the two lead stories, and we'll try to avoid talking about your Chicago Bears. They look brutal in exhibition game number two.
2: Yeah. It's- uh, with the, with the Patella thing, you got to understand, I mean, the, the guy's got an extremely sick mom. Yep. Why would he want to run the string? Out? I mean, I could totally understand if they were still winning and they had a shot at a title if he would stay there. But I mean, is he really going to be coaching up these young kids? He's, he's got to have other things on his mind right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, Lou, go take care of business, obviously, with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, uh, I'm really afraid to say anything because who knows what Dave Olsen he might snap over there and start choking you, coach. So that might actually help our ratings. We probably need to talk to that, mm-hmm. talk about that. And then with the Chicago Bears, you know the whole the whole thing of hey, you know it's only preseason, it doesn't really count. You know I understand that, but the way that they played abysmal, coach. Offensive line got destroyed. The defense, who you know the problem last time was the fact that they didn't tackle really well. That wasn't the issue this time. It was the fact that I couldn't get off any blocks. I mean, it seemed like just everybody was getting blocked all over the field.
3: So, mm-hmm.
1: And, again, it was Bad the be- beginning of the game, Big Doe. That that seems to be a problem. We've mentioned that before. I don't know if it's the, uh, the pep talk, the motivational speech of a Lovey Smith or the lack thereafter, but the uh, beginning of the game, the Bear offense completely confused, completely dazed. you got Mike March running the show now, so you would hope things are better. But uh, the Bears just never seem ready. I shouldn't say never. But way too often they come out of the gate, exhibition and in regular season, not ready to compete at an emotional level. That seems to be a consistent problem.
2: Well, it, it's definitely an issue. Like a lot of times, like if you watch a if you watch a preseason game, you're like, wow, they looked great in the first half and third quarter wasn't so bad. The fourth quarter they got they got destroyed. Well, normally in the fourth quarter, 90% of those players aren't going to be around, especially in the first and second game. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about the preseason, and you're like they came out absolutely horrible. That's kind of frightening from the fact that those are your starters, and it was the second week in a row. It's, it's yeah. You know, I want to be optimistic about the Bears, and I know it's preseason, but two games that you can just just shake your head and be like they they really regressed and they, they played horrible. Offensive line but just horrible. Coach on on uh, Saturday night, it was. Mm-hmm. I just shook my head. It was like, oh my goodness. So. That was also my twentieth high school reunion. That particular night. Really? So wow!
3: Yeah, excellent.
2: And going after that at like midnight, and uh-huh. the same things still happen. The same people who started fights, same people who are idiots and pour beer on other people, the same girls that go home with the wrong dudes—all the same. It all happened just, mm-hmm. just the way it was supposed to, just the way it did twenty years ago. Probably.
1: Things remain the same. Twentieth reunion, outstanding. So, um, where? Uh, I want to get back to Bears football here, but I'm fascinated. By the concept of the whole reunion thing and uh, where was the reunion at one of our local hotel establishments or did you host it in your house in Aurora well no
2: it uh elena Elena Falco hosted all the after hour parties that was that was very good it was a right, Carlisle coach
1: let's not ruin the reputation of Elena Falco hopefully that's not her real name
2: of course it's her real name you want to make up a name here the
1: uh, well, big. Deal. I don't want to call out people on our uh, you know worldwide radio show. I remind you here that via the internet, Elena, what's her last name? Falco. Elena Falco has now been uh, her reputation possibly damaged in seven different continents that our show airs out to, and also uh, parts of Utah and Montana as well.
2: Why would her reputation be damaged because her house is so big that she can have like? 200 people show up at it. Oh, okay.
1: I thought you said she was like hosting the after party.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what she was doing.
1: Okay. Maybe maybe I was heading down a different route. I don't oh, know. Well, like, I don't I'm know sure Lena Fialko like you do.
2: I mean, she, she's got the Italian name. That doesn't mean she's having like some Roman orgy coach.
1: <laughs> we can always hope. <laughs> well, I mean,
2: I was. I got to be quite honest with you. My fingers were crossed. Uh huh. So.
1: Uh, But you you didn't get in too much trouble. You had a good time, saw some of your old uh, football buddies. And from what you're saying, I don't know that I've had the same experience in the few reunions that I've been to, but you seem to think uh, the cliques are pretty much the same. People uh, remain pretty much the same personalities as they were when they graduated at the age of 17 and a half.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's people who definitely change. There's no doubt about it. But, like, you know, a lot of people say to me, they're like, oh, my God, you're exactly the same. But I'm like, what, penniless? Jobless and uh, <laughs> drunk. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as I was 40 years ago. So. I think
1: it was meant to be a compliment. When you get to the specifics of it, you're probably right. It doesn't come quite off as well. Joel, you, you haven't know, changed a bit. I think you know. It was supposed to be a positive comment, but <laughs> when when you break it down, you're right. Not so much of a compliment.
2: Yeah. No. Definitely. Not, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, see, I always found that our reunions. That um, what I found interesting was. That the the old cliques, at the ten year and then twenty and then thirty, they would lessen and lessen and lessen. There wasn't the,
0: you know, the different groups that there used to be, David Olson. See, I had my twentieth about a month ago. Really? You didn't go to the same high school as Joel, did no, you? No, did not go to the same high school. It's too as Joel. bad. But okay. um what I was going to do, what I was going to say is that by the end of the night, the old cliques that existed in high school were back in full force. Okay. By the end of the night, it, it, it was. Yeah, because I, talk- I helped organize mine. Okay. And I was just sitting there with some of the other people that worked on it, and I'm like, do you notice this? Look at that table, look at that table, look at that table. Uh-huh. The same people that hung out together 20 years ago are all back in the same cliques again. It was at amazing. Tw-
1: towards, the towards the
0: end. Towards the end. At the beginning, everybody was like, oh, hi. You know, uh-huh. everybody was all intermingling. Interesting. But I, at the end of the night, no, everybody was off in their own separate little groups. You didn't have
1: 200 people over at your house after the uh, reunion, did you? Oh, hell no. Okay.
0: Hell no. But, um... But yeah, it was it, it was very very interesting, and the the whole it, it, by the end of the night once again it was like all like high school all over again
1: because mm-hmm. the
0: same people fell into the same patterns and it was just like
1: <laughs> brings back some of the same oh, bad yeah. memories yeah,
0: exactly exactly oh,
1: good well big are you a uh, young single uh, still in shape good looking guy very available financially a uh, subservient if you will you had to be uh <laughs> An interesting commodity, if you will, to some of the females out there. Anything we can talk about here on America's number one family sports show?
2: I, I did very well, Coach. I, that's the only way I can possibly put it. It was an extremely uh, reproductive, productive weekend, I
3: mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. I shouldn't joke
2: about that stuff, actually. I really should uh, joke about that. Stuff.
1: Very nice. So, uh, well, I'm glad you have good memories of the 20th Reunion. Hopefully you didn't reunite too much. And if you did reunite, hopefully you did it with the full protection.
2: Oh, of course, Coach. Yeah. All right. Well, I knew better. I definitely knew better. Beautiful. All
1: right. Well, let's make this weird transition back into protection or the lack thereof. Hopefully your protection, if I could say this, was better than the protection the Chicago Bears had for uh, Jay Cutler. We should throw out our phone number, folks. You want to talk? Uh, We'll start a little football here first. Uh, get the pain out of the way. maybe we should do that here in Chicago uh, anywhere out there in our listening audience. You watch the football team play over the weekend exhibition. game number two, you want to comment it we 'd love to hear from you eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight triple eight four six three six seven four eight here in Chicago, right off the get go. the first two series big dog complete, not partial but almost complete lack of protection for Jay Cutler, who is running around like a wild banshee.
2: It was horrible. that Cameron Wembley, who's a decent pass rusher, coach. I ain't going to act like you know he's horrible. Yep. But you know he's decent. He was in the backfield every single play. Four sacks in the first half, coach. Four sacks in a half from one player.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they got to the point where uh, why didn't they start having Chris Williams get some help? Because what if Cutler would have got hurt in the first half?
1: Yeah. Well it
2: was that bad. I mean I was I was kinda like not that like Jake is a savior, but
1: Yeah, but if Chris Williams is gonna have to have quote unquote help against Cameron Wembley, it's gonna be it a long was, season for the Chicago Bears.
2: So I totally I totally agree, Coach. That that but still I'd rather have him getting some help and having a long season than having him not getting help and also Jake Cutler put it on his head and then it's Dan Lefebvre is a starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I'm not I think the kid can actually be pretty good, but I'm not ready for him to take over the reins of the Chicago
0: Bears in 2010. Uh, It doesn't look like that is going to happen because... Uh um, (laughs) Late breaking news? Yeah, the the (laughs) team signed (laughs) Todd Collins this morning. Really? Yes. That's extremely late breaking news. Yeah, it just came down 10 minutes ago. Wow. So yeah, they've apparently seen enough of Dan LeFever. We are Chicago's eighth radio
1: station to report it. How about that? We're moving up in the ranks. Eighth to report of Todd Collins. Now a backup for uh, quarterback Jay Cutler, Big Dog. How about that breaking news uh, I, from producer David Olsen?
2: I wonder if he'll be on the roster come uh, opening day. Because supposedly Caleb Haney's going to be ready. But if he's not going to be ready, they mm-hmm. definitely need Todd
1: Collins. Well, how about Dan LeFever on the uh, American taxi squad? And then you have both the veteran Todd Collins and you have the young, up-and-rising Caleb Haney. Don't you need... Uh, Three guys maybe to survive the season. I know Jay Cutler has a reputation for staying healthy, but uh, does it have to be in either or an or? Can't we have both as backups?
2: I guess you know, it could definitely happen exactly the way that you said, Coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we're going to have somebody come off the bench and get sacked and throw interceptions, I'd rather have it be Todd Collins and Dan LeFeeble right now.
1: Yeah. I, I still have hopes for uh, Caleb Haney. The little bit we've seen him over the couple of years. Guy's got potential. But Todd Collins, certainly a little more a battle-tested, a veteran out there, and running Mike Martz's offense. Uh, you got a guy now, I'm assuming Todd Collins has run. Has he been with Martz in the past, or does he know the system at least a little bit?
2: Um, he has been on pretty much every single team in the NFL, now that I think about it. So he, <laughs> and now that he's played on all 32 teams, I'm assuming at one stop he might have been under Marts, but I, I can't recall where, Coach, and
1: actually I don't think so.
0: No, he, he actually was, he played for Dick Vermeil in Kansas City.
1: Okay. Yeah, but he's played for more than just Dick Vermeil.
0: Well, the, but that's the—that's what they're citing his okay. experience running a martz Styles. offense. Okay. Style was Martz
1: offense. the coordinator when Vermeil was the head coach?
0: No, absolutely not, coach. No.
1: So what? I, I don't get it. What's the Mike Martz connection?
0: The Mike Martz connection is Dick Vermeil. It still doesn't the connect 99 with '99
1: Rams coach. Okay, but it was Mike Martz's offense. It wasn't Dick Vermeil's.
0: But Dick Vermeil took right. that style okay. of offense with him okay. to Kansas City. Alright,
1: so he's somewhat familiar with the system. Alright, by the way, the offensive system of Mike March, which we've had such great hopes for, big dog, and I will tell you, I will be eminently, eminently disappointed if it doesn't, uh, my prediction does not come to fruition, but so far, the offensive fireworks, the creativity, the throwing downfield, if I had to give it a grade of, uh, you know, a teacher in a school, somewhat in the high D's, low C's so far? Coach. I,
2: I can't believe I'm the one sticking up for this particular offense, but the the reason, the only way that the Mike Marks offense can work is if you protect the quarterback and you have an awesome, I mean an awesome, offensive line, because you basically are sending four or five guys out in every play. Mm-hmm. You have them go a lot deeper down the field than a typical offense does, and I have no problem with that. I figure if you're going to throw the ball, throw it down the field. I've always felt that way, and if they have blocked horribly, so how? You, I'm not blaming the offensive style yet. The only thing I would blame about the offensive style is you're bringing one that really has to have good offensive line in order to get it done, and the Bears don't have a good offensive line. So maybe he was not the right choice as an offensive coordinator. I am not about to say two preseason games, I'm blaming the offensive yet. I'm blaming the offensive line 100% right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Are we, uh, 100%. I haven't watched that much of the exhibition games, to be perfectly frank I've with you. is the uh, What's oh. that?
2: I've watched every snap both games. All right, well, so help me out now.
1: There. The uh, seven-step drop and the shotgun—two things that we didn't see under John Shoops. Uh, Terry O'Shea was his name. Terry
2: Shea. The Terry Shea. You always had the O on there. And considering he was the worst O coordinator, <laughs> just, don't give him the O. Maybe it should be. Thing, he oh no, we
1: we need to come up with an acronym, a nickname for for Shoops. Shay and then Turner, three brutal offensive coordinators. that all come up with something. So we don't about, have to keep.
2: How about those are three coordinators, right? And we're talking about the Bears' offensive uh, production over the last couple of yeah. years. How about the three and out crew?
1: The three and outs. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. But uh, you would think after the with the new coordinator coming in after the three and outs, I'm hoping that they are using the seven-step drop and the shotgun more than the three-and-outs ever did, because the three-and-outs, quite frankly, never used it.
2: Well, they didn't. i got to be honest with you. I I didn't see too much shotgun, and I really don't. Mike Marks doesn't really use the shotgun all that much. But the seven-step drop is definitely there. Actually. Without a doubt, it's definitely there.
1: Come to think of it, Big with the way our offensive line is blocking, it might be like the 13-step drop. (laughs) <laughs> well, Seven, seven steps might not be enough. Oh, goodness. Lance Lewis, uh, Olin Krutz over on the right side. Frank Omie, we're concentrating on Chris Williams. Big dog, you're a guy that's been in the trenches for most of your life. Uh, how did the rest of the offensive line do, particularly your guy, Lance Lewis? Any better in game two?
2: Well, I'm, I'm, did you see the Matt Forte 89-yard run coach?
1: I saw the replay.
2: Well, Lance Lewis came flying out like yeah. a total athlete, got up into a body, you know, a little bit downfield, looked mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. On that particular play, other than that, he got his helmet handed to him, mm-hmm. and, the, and he did not look like a starting NFL player.
3: Yeah, all right. so If you
2: would have saw that particular highlight, you'd be like, oh, man, this guy is great. Every other play, he was getting pushed into the backfield, absolutely manhandled. But he can pull. He's a pull player. He, he might be Noah Jackson, but actually get a body on him mm-hmm. is what that guy might end up being. He, <laughs> he, he looks great when he pulls, Coach, but uh-huh. as an offensive guard, he spent way too much time in the, in the Bears' offensive backfield. Okay. So,
1: so he's he's got to get off. Sounds like what he's got to do is, is, is know the snap of the way. He's got to get out the snap quicker, and instead of mm-hmm. waiting to be hit, deliver the first blow. Pretty simple oh, absolutely. concept. Absolutely. Right?
3: Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I, he, he, that, he wasn't the only problem. On every other play, it was Olin Cruz screaming at people in the huddle. Mm-hmm. This was basically what it was. And I'm like, Olin Krutz, who are you yelling at? Because you're getting destroyed out there. And he was.
1: Could be so time for Olin Cruz to go visit the uh, anger management counselor if the guy is, has any time, spare time free after visiting with Carlos Zambrano and a couple of other uh, Chicago Cubs. You know what? Ozzie Gian is the next to visit the anger management counselor.
2: Well, I, I don't blame Ozzie lately, but especially the way they've been losing baseball games. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's been tough.
1: We'll get to the White Sox in just a second. Let's finish up our uh, Chicago Bear thoughts. Again, football fans, we'll move on to baseball here in a second. But uh, if you want to dial it up, talk some football, your favorite team. Here in Chicago, we talk the Bears, but uh, the big dog with his red zone channel, his blue zone, he's got the NFL package, he's got all kinds of packages, he's got reds and white zones. He watches pretty much every game, so he's up on all the NFL football. Give us a call, we'll break it down for you. If not, we'll just break down... But uh, one way or another, we'll get it done. Triple eight four six three six seven forty eight 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 four six three six seven forty eight. You can email us at mike two guys at aol dot com. One bright spot: the running of Matt Forte for the Chicago Bears. Big dog. And I'm I'm particularly one of my uh, pet peeves is when people look at an average for the game, and if the guy had one big run, it skews the average. And I think sometimes there's too much emphasis on the one. Big run. I would love to see if you take off the longest run by a running back and then take their average per game. To me, that's almost more telling. But what I was impressed with, not only the great Forte run, the eight what was it 89 yards, mm-hmm. but even on his three, five, seven-yard runs, it looked like a different, faster, quicker, more elusive Matt Forte. He impressed me as much on the mid-range runs as he did on the 89-yard break.
2: Well, yeah, the guy really looks good now that he's not running with a torn MCL in his knee. You know, so that definitely helps out a little bit, coach. So it looks like he'll be back. And, you know, they blocked for him on that play. Mm -hmm. And I agree totally with you, coach. He he seems to be back. He's got the fresh legs. Um, Hopefully, Chester Taylor can get a little bit of room to run because, you know, that kid's not going to run anybody over. So they actually have to block somebody, you know, when he's the running back. But I think Matt Matt Porte is going to be all right, coach. And, you know, you bring up. I agree with everything you said.
1: Yeah. And would you agree also that the, the long run often is overrated? That the true Absolutely sign of a great not. running back, you take their top run away and see what their average was for the game?
2: Well, well yes, yeah, because I don't want to overplay, breakaway touchdown. But if you give me a guy that can consistently get three, four yards every single time, they move the chain. And, and those are championship caliber running
1: uh, backs. Can, can you move it up to four or five yards? Well, three no. yards isn't going to do it for me.
2: Well, I'm talking about... If it's third and three and a guy gets a three yard run, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. If it's third and yeah. 2, and he gets a two yard run, I'm extremely happy with that two yard run.
1: Yeah, but I need I need you know, on first down I need my guy getting five or six yards.
2: Oh no, no, no absolutely. i that's uh, i I was thinking more of like the first down type, grinded out running backs so that I was thinking mm-hmm. about. Like John Riggins averaged three point six yards a carry.
1: Yeah, he was right the here. he was the ultimate grinded out running back.
2: 3.6 yards to carry for a guy that got the ball almost 400 yeah. times in a year, and you're going to think, that's really not that good. That, until the Minnesota Vikings broke the record, was the highest scoring offense in the history of
1: football. And John it's, Riggins rarely ran for more than six yards, but he never got stopped yeah. for less than three.
2: Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, and it was, if it was fourth and two, John Riggins got two yards, mm-hmm. and the chain just kept on moving. I want to grind-it-out type running back coach.
1: Remember the ball? You would have loved. He was before your time. Uh, David Olson won't remember this guy either. The old-timer. You would have loved ex-Baltimore Colt running back with one of the great nicknames in all the sports, Norm Big Boo Boo He was a he fullback. He
2: was league in, uh, in, in, in yards per carry, I believe, is what you're saying.
1: Though. He, was, he was like John. He was John Riggins before John Riggins. The Bears actually had a running back in the uh, mid-'60s, early-'60s, Ronnie Bull who was kind yeah. of like that. He didn't break away for long runs. And I would even go even more modern, a guy you'll remember, Roland Harper. He was a guy getting, picking up four, five, six, seven yards per run. Always a big fan to of Walter. Asked.
2: Huh? It's a Walter Payton coach. Yeah. Walter Payton didn't have a lot of long runs, but Walter Payton had uh, saw something where the percentage of Walter Payton runs that were over four yards is the highest in the history of football. Mm-hmm. So four yards, four, they have like this thing – you run for at least four yards, or does your run convert into a first down? It's uh, it's quality one percentage is mm-hmm. what they call it. Walter yeah. Payton has the highest in the history of football.
1: See, I like the it. Highest. I've never heard that stat, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, I that's, like
2: a, that's basically exactly what we're talking about.
1: Quality rents, exactly. i got to check more about that. It quality run percentage. Now I want to hop on one other topic you brought up. You mentioned uh, Matt Forte running better this year because he doesn't have the torn MCL. I heard Matt Forte's comments after the game as boy does it feel good to be healthy as opposed to last year which is all you know everybody's all fine and dandy but but you know me being the not the ultimate pessimist but uh, an occasional skeptic if you will okay i now go back to last year when we were all watching the bear games with intense enthusiasm at least while they were still in it and fans paying a hundred, two hundred, three hundred bucks to go watch chicago bear football and basically, what we are now being told, Big Dog, is that our lead running back, who ran 80% of the time last year, was not healthy, was not 100%, doesn't even sound like he was 80%, he was not prepared to play quality NFL football. I respect Matt Forte for being out there, but are you telling me all last season when I'm watching Bear football, we got a running back to, quote-unquote, was not healthy?
2: You know, this came out the week after the season was done. Legitimately, you don't remember that, Coach? Well, No, I do. The Bears were out, and then they were like, oh, he's going to have his knee surgery that he's needed all year because he's got a torn yeah. MCL. I'm like, why was he playing the last – when they were eliminated from the playoffs, Matt Forte should have quit playing. I couldn't agree more. Matt Forte went up about a million percent in my eyes after that because I was no longer mad about why he didn't have the burst. I thought it was almost like he I didn't want to rip on him during the season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was a little disappointed with the kid. Then you find out later. You shouldn't be disappointed. He's having, he's playing absolutely phenomenal for a guy with that should have had knee surgery.
1: Yeah, but 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 and again, credit him for courage and bravery and sticking it out. But why is he playing? Are you telling me no with idea, all the so. great college running backs, the backups the Bears have, guys that are available? There's tons of talented running backs out there. Please get me someone out there who's healthy. And obviously, I know. Technically, no NFL players are healthy by the 6th, 7th game of the season. I understand they're all bumped and bruised, but I'm and talking back, about a
2: guy. Running back, seriously, after you get about 30 carries, how could you possibly not have an injury, to be honest with
1: you? Yeah. So I'm not talking – I understand that aspect of it, but I'm talking about a guy with a torn MCL who can't make sharp cuts. I mean, come on. We're talking the NFL. You can't make the hard cut. You shouldn't be playing NFL football. We're watching Bear games last year, again, with a running back that – uh Probably should not have been in there, so you can get, uh, you know, it's past history. You don't want to get too angry about it, but it was a little odd to hear him say that.
2: Well, it's not like it's past history, Coach. It was last year, and it's the same coaching staff. So you have a right to question what was going on and and, and the difference of, hey, look at these two preseason games and how much better they could possibly be if this kid is healthy. And, you know, you're bringing up excellent points because, you know, that Khalil Bell came in and played pretty well last year for the Bears with after they picked him up, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that's just, it's if they are in the playoff race, I understand you have Matt Forte there because quite honestly, even the threat of Matt Forte could help your offense, you know, but as soon as you're out of the playoffs, why are you, why does he even forget, even get a carry? Why is he even suiting up immediately? This kid is the future. He proved as a rookie, the kid can flat out play when you're out of it. You don't play your future if they're injured. Like Steven Strasburg, I know it's a, like a total different uh, like level, but as soon as his arm hurt this weekend, they pulled him out of a game. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what the Bears should do with their star rookie running back or our mm-hmm. second year running back coach.
1: Actually, so. it is what they did with our star middle linebacker, Brian Erlacher, who, uh, where it was at the first series when he strained the calf muscle, and uh, the Bears, uh, uh, against Urlacher's desires, pulled him out of the game, and Urlacher out again. I don't know if that's going to be a consistent problem, but you remember last year he uh, basically was the second, third series of the season. Got injured, he was out for this. the
2: first half was over with against the Packers, without a doubt.
1: So now he's got a calf injury, the calf muscle's connected to the hamstring, the hamstring's connected to the groin, they're all connected, big dog. Are you worried about the health of Brian Urlacher?
2: Yes, I am, Coach. Thank you. I got to. I got to be honest with you. If you think about just like of minor muscular injury, yep. the calf seems to knock people out longer than any other injury. Yeah, you know, there's. A, you, you normally hear hamstrings keeping people out long, you know, maybe some back muscular stuff, but without a doubt, for some reason, calf injuries just seem to debilitate players. I can go on and on about people that just had difficult calf issues.
1: Mm-hmm. So All right, I so am worried, Coach. We better get – well, try not to be concerned too much. You had a very delightful 20th reunion. We found that out. No, no reason to worry about Brian Urlacher's calf muscle when you have reconnected with some of your uh, fine high school brethren from 20 years ago.
2: I guess that's a good way to put it, Coach. Thank you. That's yeah. what I'm here
1: for. I put things in perspective. All right, Big Dog, uh we'll talk a little baseball when we come back. Uh, Cubs, White Sox, of course, big news with the Cubs around their manager, Uncle Uncle Lou, Lou Pinella finally retiring, in the White Sox slip, sliding away. Big Dog's going to give the recipe for the Sox getting back into contention. I'll give you about 30 seconds to think about that. David Olson, our producer. It's two guys and a mic. Here on the talkzone.com, we'll take a quick break. Back in about 46 seconds, our breaks are quick. We need sponsors.
0: are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel Radwanski on talkzone.com
1: here we do welcome you back 46 seconds right on the spot shortest breaks in all of sports talk radio I don't want to quite mention the reason for the short breaks, but uh, there they are. Big Dog and the Coach right here for you right up until 11 o'clock. Phone lines open at 888-463-6748. By the way, during the break, Big Dog, we got a tweet from one of your favorite tweeters slash emailers, Colonel Manders, is back in the picture. Colonel Manders wants to know if he can uh, come to your next high school class reunion.
2: Yeah, no problem. Uh, Our next one is going to be the golden one, number 50. So he can definitely come.
1: Wait a minute, you just finished your 20th. Yes. So you're going to skip 30 and 40?
2: 25, 30, 40, yes. We'll go to 50, coach.
1: Really?
3: Mm hmm.
1: You're going to lose, you know, over the 30 years, you're going to, uh, there will be a lot of people at the 20th reunion who sadly will not be able to make the 50th reunion.
2: Yeah, and if you think about it, definitely the guys that uh, typically that go to the after-hour parties. Those are the ones that are going to be less likely to actually make it to the 50th reunion.
1: Really? I always found uh, sometimes those that abuse themselves the most for some weird reason seem to last the longest.
2: Oh, so if you defile yourself, you actually preserve it in a way?
1: Well, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it seems to happen a little more often than uh, one would care to think about. But either way, uh, well, so Colonel Manders will have to wait 25 years, 30 years to get to meet you. Maybe, maybe it'll be easier. It might be easier just to come to our next Schaumburg Flyers remote.
2: That, that, that might be an issue, and plus, you can you can hear me rip on a guy called Delgado for a couple of 463
1: Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number, dog and the coach at your service, right up until eleven o'clock. Big dog Lou Penaire retires uh, yesterday, right before the game. Of course, the Cubs go on to lose sixteen to five. Apparently, their pitching staff did not read the script of how a manager is supposed to go out, but uh, your thoughts on the announcement and the career of the 14th winningest manager in the history of the fine sport of baseball.
2: Yeah, He's just had an absolute rough year, and he isn't a problem. He wasn't the reason why that the Cubs haven't won the last two years, or the reason why they didn't advance in the playoffs for those, those two particular seasons before. But, it, you know, this year he's been through an awful lot. You know, his mom's sick, and, you know, Luke, Luke, like I said earlier, take care of yourself. And isn't it kind of symbolic that this year, which for other people had all kinds of hope and maybe this could be a, a good year for the Cubs, and
1: I knew it was going to be ugly.
2: Do you know what the, they lost open? Do know what the score of the open-end day blowout loss to the Braves was, Coach?
1: 16-5. to 5.
2: Yep. So it just pretty much sums up this particular year for Lou Penella. Uh, about 80% of the runs scored in the game were typically by the Just,
1: other team. And
2: no matter who we threw out there, they got freaking rocked. Many? And all the hits that they got were, you know, didn't really matter.
1: Hey, it's been, you know, there's been obviously a lot of down years for the Chicago Cubs. This will go down, not the worst, but certainly in the bottom 25%. There's a lot of contenders for that category. And don't forget we had a brand new owner this year, Joe. Tom Ricketts, the Ricketts family takes over new ownership in a, a lifelong dream, bright, Positive, optimistic, ready to start a new tradition. What was their motto this year? Something with one, right?
2: I, well, it was like the, yo the year one, were one goal.
1: No, 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 that's the hawk. It was year one, wasn't it?
2: Is that, is that what it was? I I, think got, it, I got to be honest with you. I, I was a little upset with the, the Cubs and the way this. I mean I want the Ricketts family to do well, but I was a little bit upset with how everything was set up with the Cubs this year. So I, I, I don't know.
1: All right. But but you know, that that was their concept anyways, and they came into with all the enthusiasm, the dream of a lifetime for this family. They finally, after three years of negotiations, get the Cubs year one, the whole marketing campaign, and just a complete disaster as you mentioned, right from game one when we're all optimistic home game, I think, right? Carlos Zambrano on the mound pitching and going up against the Braves and they lose 16 to 5 and from that point no, it hasn't been no, they were li- at
2: Atlanta they were okay. at Atlanta and in the first inning Marlon Byrd hit a three-run home run he sprinted around the bases and we're thinking oh wow they had a free agent signing the guy has done everything right in spring training he looks good you know Zambrano next thing you know it's 6 to 3 after the end of the first inning
1: yeah. Mar- Marlin... like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he apparently didn't read the script either.
2: No, no, he, he did not read it, coach. And, uh, uh, okay, remember how happy I was the day Bill Works died? And I'm like, hey, this organization is going to get turned around. Don't forget that first year after Bill Works died, you know, and Rocky Works took over, the Blackhawks didn't make the playoffs and they had a losing record. You know, everyone's like, oh, and they turned around immediately. No, they were just a little bit more competitive, they were still bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then all the year two, you know, they get all the way to the Western Conference finals. And it's not going to be that quick for the Cubs. The Cubs aren't going to be battling for the National League next year and two years from now winning the World Series. Let's, uh, we know that's not going to happen. But uh, I'm not about to blame the rickets the for no. the organizational problems right now, Coach.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No, 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 I, I wasn't using the word blame. I was looking at it more as irony and almost a, kind of a sad pathos just to see that great enthusiasm of the whole year one campaign, and it's been a disaster right from the get-go. What are your thoughts on, A, on the uh, the announcement of Lou Piniella, you know, yesterday and not waiting on to the end of the season, how much of a surprise that was, and, B, that they named Mike Quate, the third-base coach, as the next manager of the Chicago Cubs and not the bench manager, Alan Trammell. Your thoughts on that?
2: Do you think it's because
1: they're actually considering Alan Trammell? Well, according to Jim Hendry, he said that quite the opposite. He said it's Alan Trammell is not a candidate to become our next manager. Mike Quade might be.
2: Really? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was kind of odd. But uh, apparently Mike Quade is a contender. I don't know if Alan Trammell was too close to Lou Piniella. It was kind of a weird statement by Jim Hendry, but I'm pretty sure I'm getting it correct. He said that uh, Alan Trammell, great guy, he's going to remain our bench coach, but he is not a candidate to become our next manager.
2: That's, it's surprising that he would just yep. n- uh, announce that his hat is not in the ring. You would think that he would just uh, he would say it. So, Alan Trammell keeps on working out there with Starlin Castro and, mm-hmm. and Blake DeWitt, and, you know, he has a, a lot of interest and a lot of, like, vigor. But all of a sudden, you know, Alan Trammell was going to the ballpark today with a tail between his legs, kind of. hmm. You know, I. I even if you weren't gonna make him your manager, don't you just that if you're gonna have him as a bench coach, it's just kind of like a hint, oh yeah, he has a chance. Yeah, I, I, that's a surprising yeah. move by Jim Hendry, but yeah. he's always been honest. Jim Hendry has been brutally honest, and to be and, and I don't like that whatsoever as my GM. I I like honesty in people, and you know I, I want people to be forthright, but the GMs of my sport teams can go ahead and lie and be jerks and backstabbers if they want to be, because it's worked for Kenny Williams. It, it works. On uh, Jim Hendry has said this before, and he actually means it, Coach. Well, uh, I want to make sure I give away good value in our trade.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We, you know, we want to make sure we give away the same value for what we're getting back. And, no, you don't. You want to rob the other team, Jim Hendry, and I, he really means it, Coach. Well, that, that always bothers me. I want you want to rob people blind when you trade with them. Give them the, your guys that you know can only see in one eye and have a bad <laughs> knee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it said you know, and he's Oh no, you
1: know the, That's why the Cubs have not had been good with the trade. Well, for I'm going to I'm going dis- to disagree with you on that particular. Uh... Issue, and again, baseball fans, Cub fans, or a White Sox, you want to talk about your socks, we'll bring them up next, losing two out of three to the Kansas City Royals, five back in first place. Now dial it up, some baseball talk with two guys at a mic, 888-463-6748. I agree with you, Hey, Jim Hendry is a good, solid guy. Always liked the persona, of Jim Hendry. I've always appreciated his honesty, but I'll disagree with you on the latter point. I think uh, his the principle behind what he was saying is, If you give fair value, if you try to make a trade that's at least in the hunt and you're giving the other guy something's valued too, that you're going to be able to make trades in the future. You build up a reputation as a reputable guy that you're not trying to steal players and pass on bad commodities to other teams. So I think it's all about building up a reputation as a fair GM, big dog, and then people want to deal with you. I think that's what Jim Hendry's trying to say.
2: Okay, Coach, but he he he's given away way too much talent. The sad thing is, is he he means that coach. And if we had 29 other GMs in baseball that felt the same way, I would be very comfortable with Jim Hendry trading people. The only problem is the other 29 GMs are trying to pants you and fleece you have you walk around, you know, tripping over yourself. (laughs) They they don't want to give away. So it seems like the, the, the Chicago Cubs continually get robbed in trade. Continually. Get
1: robbed. I will tell you it wears. We talk about how the job wears on a manager. Dusty Baker, year one, the picture, versus Dusty Baker, year four, the picture. He aged about 12 years. Lou Piniella, year one, as the Cub manager, still somewhat fresh and energetic and optimistic. And then you look at Uncle Lou as he walked out to shake hands with Bobby Cox and give the lineup card out. That was an agent. I don't know if Bobby, I don't know if Lou's going home to take care of his mom. Or his ninety-year-old mom is going to stay at home and take care of Lou. I think Lou might be the one needing taken care of. But it wears on them. Same thing happens with general managers. You look at Jim Henry now. He has aged exceedingly over his what is it, six, seven years as general manager. He used to have a double chin. I think he's like at four or five chins right now. And the jowls that used to sag a little bit—they're down their shoulder length right now. Time has not been good for the look of a Jim Henry.
2: Uh, yeah, and. Uh... It has been a rough couple of years because some of the moves he's made, he kind of deserves to feel that way and be treated that way legitimately. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. The whole signing Bradley and not picking up Martha Rosa. Yeah. I mean, I know Marcel Rosa's hurt, but that move just is symbolic of how dumb some of the Jim Hendry moves have been. And... You know, and I want to say this straight up again. I think he's a good guy. But I'm sick of saying, oh, yeah, he's a good guy, but he's just not getting it done when it comes mm-hmm. to our Chicago sports team. It seems like we say that over and over and yeah, over again.
1: He's made some, not some, but many good pickups as well. Ryan Dempster, Ted Lilly, and the, some of the pitching staff. So he's made some good decisions as well. Clearly, like Kosuke Fukudome is probably responsible for one of his five chins.
2: El, Alfonso Storiano. That's another one. Carlos Zambrano, you know, not
1: just keeping Carlos Zambrano, but but offering to pay him what was it, eighty one million for six years, some exorbitant price like that.
2: Five years, ninety two point five million. Yikes! Okay, eighteen over eighteen million dollars a season. Carlos Zambrano is getting paid, which is more than what Alfonso Soriano is getting paid, and that's. You know, well, that's yeah, 136 million over eight years. So I guess, in a way, it's sorry, I don't got a lot more money. But, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, that's why they, they gave Dempster, you know, four years, $70 million, coach. That's not exactly a good deal either. Dempster isn't worth that type of money. And the Ted Lilly trade, or the Ted Lilly pick-up was one of the good, good moves that he's made. What do you think of some of the other, the, the amount of talent that the Florida Marlins have robbed from the Chicago Cubs over the years? Is pathetic. It
3: is. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't was
2: the the Charles Willis because you know Willis did have like five good years before he absolutely fell apart. The, the Cubs got nothing in return for those. And well, Tony wait Alton a minute! Well, didn't we Facebook get Julian Tavares?
1: Didn't we get Derek Lee?
2: That was in the Heath Soft Toy trade, Coach. Ah, that, that, so that goes I, down as one of his... that's a good. That, that was a good, that's... good trade. And thank you for bringing it up. Yep. Derek Lee for Hee Choi was an excellent move, and then then uh, the Marlins were like they traded Hee Choi like 27 minutes later to the to the Los Angeles
1: Dodgers right away. So
2: <laughs> you know, really, he was. They were like, uh oh, this guy. You know, you're a power hitter and you never yeah. swing the bat. That doesn't help very often. Well,
1: at one point, Hee Choi was the future of Chicago Cub baseball. It doesn't bode well for the future of Chicago Cub baseball. No, it did not. No indeed. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog one hour show. We gotta keep moving here. White Sox uh continue to struggle. We know they lost to Minnesota. Two out of three. I think five out of six overall to the twins this weekend. They were supposed to get healthy against the Kansas City Royals, but the Royals they always play good baseball against the Cubs. There's a little little Kind of bubbling rivalry between the two teams and bottom line is Sox lose two out of three. They're five back and the bullpen dog continues to, uh, if not explode, it certainly implodes.
2: Yeah. It, it's, and you know what? It, it isn't, they've been getting absolutely destroyed against the Royals. It wasn't that they got beat up so bad. It was the fact that they, it was the clutch. You know what I mean? It was like, oh. Yeah, they needed to get some serious clutch outs, and they they weren't able to get them. So it, w- it wasn't like their ERA against the Royals was just off the charts. It was just that they didn't get any big outs. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to win a division, every once in a while your your bullpen has to be totally shut down. You know, and they weren't total, totally shut down, and then they have, end up losing two out of three. Friday's
1: and, Friday's game rained out to play a doubleheader on Saturday. One of the clutch hits you're talking about, maybe the biggest hit of the series, was unesky Betancourt. Getting, what was it, the triple with the bases loaded, or was that the grand slam? I know all, all three games were one-run games. Sox yes, they
2: slid. were all, I forget which game, but yeah, he did hit a grand slam and a triple okay. with the bases loaded in this particular series, yeah. Coach.
1: He killed the Sox. Killed them, mm-hmm. as did Wilson Betemit, Ex-Chicago White Sox, by the way.
2: And by the way, those are some Betterment and just the way it's spelled and UNESCO Betancourt, those are some of the best names in all of baseball. Oh, so. well, no question. I mean, you you, you got to love those names. And this team always plays well against the Chicago White Sox. Yep. And if the White Sox, can, they can point their finger directly at three teams of why they're not going to win this division this year. Or four, because the one should be back at themselves was the reason why. But the Twins, obviously, the Royals, and the Indians, they're five games out, and their record against those teams have been absolutely abysmal. with the Royals, I I do believe what they're eight and seven against them this year. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, they have a winning record, but you know, like one or two more wins against them. That's that'll, that will go a long way into helping them win this division. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they have to, you know, hammer them 10, five or whatever, but come on. It's, it's been awful frustrating, and I think the Indians—they have a better record than the Twins do against the White Sox this year,
1: folks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, all three games—if you're a baseball fan, if you're not a White Sox fan, but just watching—you know, good. I guess I use the word quality baseball somewhat loosely, but certainly exciting baseball. It was a heck of a series against the Royals over the weekend. All three games, one-run games. The first one went what, eleven innings? Yesterday's game, the White Sox lose three to two. Zach Grenke. Pitched very well for KC, but the White Sox battled back, and then they finally lose in the tenth inning. Scott Linebrick. You know things are desperate when you're still pitching Scott Linebrick. You might as well bring Bobby Howry. And Linebrick has been done for a couple of years. But big dog, it was uh, it was pretty exciting baseball. three one run games, two extra inning games. The end result not good for the White Sox, but uh, pretty fun baseball to watch if you're not too entrenched in your White Sox love. Yeah,
2: it's definitely good baseball, and it, especially like if you. If you're a baseball fan, Saturday would have been good for you because, and especially mm-hmm. if you're a night owl, and that game was still, the second game of that doubleheader was still going on at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Yep,
1: one eleven I think, was the uh, final tip-time.
2: It, it was kind of weird to be out at a bar at that late and being like, wow, mm-hmm. there's yep. some baseball on this, not on the West Coast.
1: Sadly, I was sound asleep when UNESCO Betancourt hit the shot that was heard around Kansas City.
2: Well, if uh, is, you know, most people have have problems sleeping. So, you know, I wish I could say the same Mm -hmm. thing. I wish I could go to sleep right now, as a matter of fact.
1: At one time, I did have a minor man crush on Kansas City infielder David DeJesus. Is he still a member of the uh, KC Royal?
2: Uh, He is, and he's an outfielder, not an infielder. That's probably why. He's he's done for the season, Coach. He he was about to get traded, uh, and he was going to get traded and get the Royals some pretty good prospects because, He's in the sixth year of his career, which means he is basically salary arbitration eligible going into mm-hmm. next year. Which means that the Royals will have to either pay him, so that mm-hmm. means they're going to lose him. Which also means that they were going to trade him. I and mean, he was hitting like 330, ran into the wall, broke his wrist. He's done for the season, oh. and they were legitimately working out a deal for him the day that he ran into the wall and broke his wrist.
1: You know, for so, a, like, I was going to say for a Chicago sports guy. You know an awful lot about David DeJesus of the Kansas City Royals. If I didn't feel more comfortable in my own sexuality and my relationship with you, I'd be a little jealous.
2: Well, uh, you know, to be honest with you, because he is a major league player, so I kind of know who he is.
1: Take it easy. There's a lot of major league players out there.
2: Yeah, and I probably could explain their <laughs> career, too, just that just, Don't call me, you know, what are you all questioning yeah. your question, my sexuality, because I know a little bit about David DeJesus.
1: Yeah. No, I wasn't questioning yours. I was questioning mine. Oh. I, I... Yeah. Thank you. All right. White Sox, uh, I believe, got a day off. the take on the dreaded Baltimore Orioles, Minnesota, beat the Anaheim Angels yesterday 4 to nothing. I think they took two out of three over the weekend. Five-game lead over the White Sox. Big dog. And the Sox still come back, or do you think, as I sort of think, they've kind of hit, they've actually hit the point where they should be, quite frankly. They're not that good a team. They're good. But they're not good enough to overtake the Twins. Or do you think there's still hope?
2: Well, uh, of course, there's still hope, coach. There's only five games. Five five games isn't gigantic. There's still 38 games for each team. It's not over. Do I think they're going to win? No, I do not think they're going to win. But you said could. Yeah. Five games, 38 games. Five and 38. You can definitely make up five games in 38 games. No problem.
3: Yeah, you're clearly. If
2: it's still five games with. uh, with 20 games to go, they're in serious trouble. Over the next 18 games, they've got to cut it down to like two or three. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, uh, as I said, on Thursday or uh, Friday, and again, baseball fans, you want to check in, still 10 more minutes to go here. Two guys in a mic. David Olsen, our producer, standing by, ready to answer your phone calls, 888-463-6748. But part of it uh, is in the White Sox hands. Big dog, they obviously got to play better. But part of it is out of their control. The Minnesota Twins continue. To play as they are, and they show no indications of letting up. It don't matter how good the White Sox play, the Twins are going to coast them.
2: Yeah, if the, the Twins keep on playing the way they are, over the last 38 games, the White Sox are going to have to go like 30 and eight in yep. order to pass them at this point. Because the, the 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 Twins, yeah, they're not winning lucky. They're winning with the Twins baseball. They catch it. They run the baseball They run the bases. They make contact. They're playing Twins baseball at its best right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So. And my other comment was on the White Sox, uh, and you're right. You know, you can't overemphasize five games back, 38 to go. There's still plenty of time, but, um, do you think the White Sox, you know, we saw them the first two months of the season, not good at all. We knew they were better than that. And then all of a sudden they played a month and a half, close to two months of just unbelievable baseball at a rate that shocked many of us, uh, out there. Maybe not so much you. It certainly did me. Now the last four weeks, they've kind of gone back to the average marker, which I kind of think is the team that they are. And I know Jake Peavy's injured, and that's part of it. But I guess my question to you is, you think the Sox are playing pretty much at the level of their talent right now?
3: Well, no, no.
2: For the season and what their record is, yeah, winning 55% of the games, that's about the team that the White Sox have been. But okay. never at one point this year have they ever been playing at that particular level. Because they've either been bad or incredible. Yeah that's that's the strange thing. So and right now they're they're back to playing bad baseball again. I think they're much better than the team that that has gone out there the last uh like 25 games and they definitely weren't the team that when, what, what were they coach like 32 and 8 or something like that over a quarter of the season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it, it this has been one of the most inconsistent White Sox teams that has ever gone out there. Ever. I mean, I mean there's been years that, like, they've painted or uh, they've turned it on, but they didn't do it back and forth. It wasn't like, you know, these huge segments of the season where they had these, like, dramatically good or bad records.
1: You know, it, the... the if you
2: the, understand where I'm going with that... No, it's, I I, I, know.
1: I know exactly where you're going. I'm almost going to make the comparison on a personal front. And I think our listeners know you well up Big Doe, you could almost compare White Sox baseball this year to both, A, your... Financial and job status life and be your social slash romantic life. Things have been way too hot hot hot. Too many highs, too many lows, and not enough solidified ground for a consistent level of time.
2: Well well something tells me my my uh, I'm much closer in the standings on the romantic side than I'm on the financial side. Really? Yeah.
1: So on the romantic side you're five back with thirty eight to play, but the the team on top is not as strong. Is that what you're saying? I might be on top. really that was quick that was quick why you shot over the weekend you shot to the top
2: i've been mathematically eliminated financially though that's that's the
1: issue all right so we have to separate those two categories at this point yeah yeah okay in the financial job status you are pretty much a baltimore or pittsburgh pirate but suddenly in the uh, social life you are uh, pretty much a San Diego Padre right now, sitting a couple of games up in first.
2: So I don't know about Padres, but maybe the San Diego Chicken. You know, it sure. gets consistent work. Just you know what I mean. Uh,
1: don't get uh, the
2: funniest. The funniest uh, routine that I have is when somebody rips off my my clothes.
1: <laughs> Just you know, don't then... don't get too comfortable being on top. I know things are going good right now, but you got to continue to uh, romance the dream, if you will. Keep uh keep things percolating. Don't get satisfied because then next thing you know, all of a sudden you're six games back with 21 to play.
2: I'll, I'll have to remember that, Coach. I, I I will I will not stay satisfied. I'll, I'll keep chugging along. That's
1: the best way <laughs> to put it. Oh, David, people have said me and Joel, and I have said it often that we have a strange and wonderful relationship together. Joel's strange and I'm wonderful. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you very much. All right. 888463674. Hey, one other baseball note that I maybe I've missed it on some of the national programs and some of the other sports talk, but I know we haven't talked about it here on the program and that is the triple crown. We got about 30 seconds here, but real quick. I looked at the um you know, hitting, RBIs, home run. You got three guys. Three that with a little more than a month left of the season, have triple crown potential. Big Joey Votto, Albert Pujols, and Miguel Cabrera, all three are in the hunt.
2: With a, Joey Hamilton.
1: Josh Hamilton.
2: Josh Hamilton. What the, how could you not add him? That's four.
1: I didn't see this him in the Josh home
2: Hamilton, run. I think has the best chance of any of the four of them, too. So, and, and you know, it, it, what's kind of cool is the fact that the other pitchers are starting to come back, and all of a sudden, a home run is actually kind of cool because there isn't, you know, your shortstop doesn't have thirty eight of them.
3: Mm-hmm. If, you,
2: if you know what I mean, coach. It's like, oh, you hit a home run. That's a big news nowadays. I, I, I think that's actually helped and it's actually made it. We, there's a possibility there'll be a triple crown again. So,
1: we gotta talk. Know. We'll talk more about that tomorrow's show. But there's four guys in contention, and it hasn't been done since was it Carl uh, Yastrzemski, right?
2: 1967.
1: it's wow. that's a while back. So that's what of development. It hasn't in the National League since '37. Beautiful. All right, big dog, behave yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you after your next uh, reunion about 10 years down the road. Either that or 10 o'clock tomorrow morning.
2: Sounds good, Coach.
1: All right, have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. David Olson, our producer, the best in the biz, or at least the best that our limited budget can afford. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.